Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. Rebecca Jones and I am Miss Informational and I am here with the always lovely Dr. Cindy. How are you today? I am fantastic. So excited to be here today for another episode of Miss Informational and to learn about all the dirty deeds going on all over the place. We're the Debbie Downer podcast, but that's okay. Did you get your hair done again? Did you color it? No, this is just the lovely sheen of gray that it comes in after I haven't had it done for a while. I was actually gonna say I really like it. it's kind of like frost princess like mine's very yeah. gold but that's close to like my natural color yeah that's it's very frost, frost princess because this is after 15 years in Florida my hair is actually all gray oh it doesn't look like it it's always good to be blonde when you go gray I've been told because yeah. it blends better yes all right and actually I am getting my hair done because I'm getting married this weekend She's going to choke. <laughs> I yes. have no idea. Mazel tov. That's great. That's pretty awesome. Now I feel yeah. like an a-hole for bringing up this stuff, but <laughs> okay, let's be quiet about the wedding. Let's talk about the conspiracy theories. <laughs> have to have one little have... bright ray of sunshine. One little oh, bright ray. Good for you. That's always fun. I've only done it once, but I want to divorce my husband and then get married to him again just so he could do the wedding when we're not as poor. Because we did like the whole thing for like less than $5,000. It was beautiful. Nice. We had it out on the bayou. It was it was great. But we have a handful of things to cover today. So we're going to cover Marjorie Taylor Greene's divorce I'm statements busy. that she made on Twitter. Speaking of divorce. Yes, we need a divorce. We're going to talk a little bit about the East Palestine twist that it took this week with suddenly the GOP all caring about water safety standards, yeah. which was interesting. Yeah, weird. We will. Our big topic will be the grand jury report that came out of Fulton, Georgia. And we'll also touch on a new article in the BMJ. And it covers how COVID-19's Florida Surgeon General used careless research practices and propaganda and recommending against vaccinations, his own university finds. So we're going to cover a lot of things, not try to stay on one thing too long, although the Georgia thing definitely needs a bit of time. Before we get into it, if you are listening or watching this podcast and you live in the state of Florida, all vote by mail requests were canceled in the state of Florida on January 1st of, of this year of 2023. Doesn't matter if you renewed it last year, they were all canceled. So if you need to vote by mail, if you prefer to vote by mail, you have to go back online and re-request that for the next elections. There are municipal elections coming up in a lot of places, especially over here. And of course, we'll have our other big races next year. So please register to vote by mail. It is safe, it is secure, and it makes it very easy, and it makes it almost zero excuse for not doing it. So, you know, works for everybody involved, but please do that. You can go to your county supervisor of elections office and request to have your ballot sent by mail. But it 100%. sucks, it's inconvenient, and I'm trying to start reminding people of that all the time because a lot of people don't realize it and are just expecting to get a mail ballot whenever they need it. And it may be too late by the time you realize that you didn't get it. 
So do that now. Your Florida yep. Supervisor of Elections website for your county and renew your request for vote by mail. All right. And it's good. It's good to do that even if you do plan to vote by in person, if you're one of those people that just love the experience, you can turn in your mail in ballot that day. And if you're someone like, you know, us that live on the Gulf Coast here and voting is oftentimes in hurricane season, it's good to have that because then you can send it from wherever you are. And they will actually reissue those vote by mail ballots to you in the case of a hurricane like they did for us here during Hurricane Ian. Yes. So very important part of defending our democracy. So we'll start with, oh God, where do we want to start? Divorce. Divorce. We'll add the exact tweet here for those of you who are watching, which you can do by subscribing to the podcast through Big Mouth Media Florida. It's a founder's subscription is for life and it's 50 bucks. So please do that. But Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted out that she thinks that red states and blue states need a divorce. And she did the Trump thing. She says, lots of people are telling me this. Okay. Which is a very way of being like, I've been thinking about this. I'm just going to say it and attribute it to other people or be a, I read it on the alt-right 4chan, 8chan, or wherever it is now. And so she said that we need to break up our country by red and blue states, which yes, is the legal and textbook definition of treason in many ways, trying to disrupt the United States and break us up and do another war. But also, interestingly, apparently Marjorie Taylor Greene was not aware that Georgia is not considered a red state, which I got the fun pleasure of breaking it to her, according to the tweet reactions on things. And I said, Florida, Georgia voted for Joe Biden, and they voted in two Democratic senators, including one they renewed just last November. Which shithole red state do you plan on moving to, Marge? And apparently she does not see Georgia as a red state. They have a Republican governor, fair enough, but they also have the Republican governor who stood up to Trump. And that is a, not exactly an ally of her and her movement. Right. So it started apparently this big debate on my own feed about what is a blue state? What is a red state? And what percentage of the state legislature do you have to have? Or do you have to have a governor? Or should we only measure statewide elections? Of course, there's not many of those. You have your two senators and your governor. And if you have lower offices, I guess you could count those. But I'd say it's a balance. Who did the state's population vote for president in the last presidential election? Who did they vote for for governor, their party? And who did they vote for with the two senators? And that should balance it. But then even I got corrected because I don't consider Louisiana a red state, but they have a Democratic governor, but they have two Republican senators. And so it's a good debate. It's a healthy debate. But I think definitely if you have three of those four, you're a blue state. If you have a majority, then you're definitely one or the other. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just some bullshit that she said. That's It's just breaking up people. It's not about... It's not about segregating our society by conservatives and liberals. Yeah. Because even in Florida, by any of the metrics that you talked about, Florida would be a red state. However, the the population, it's about 50-50, right? So it's more 33-33-33-33 because a third of Floridians are not affiliated with any party. Um, And they could break down into everything from... 330 to 033. So it's hard to say, but yeah, but Florida's close. Like their presidential elections are close, except for Val Deming's, Val Deming's race. The Senate elections tended to be close. If you look at Rick Scott versus um, 
NASA, he, Bill Nelson, that was a very close race. DeSantis's first governor's race was very close. So it, it's not like a blowout like Mississippi. Mississippi is a fucking red state. You right. would, nobody's going to disagree with you with that. So is Alabama, Arkansas, was Oklahoma. These are your hardcore red states. And so, yeah, obviously the thing she said was wrong. But I thought it was very interesting how we got into this whole debate about what is a red state and what's a blue state. Because it was quite odd. I was like, huh, people think Georgia's a red state. I was like, I don't understand that. Because it's not. It has been. And it's from a part of Georgia that's like really undeniably red. I mean, it's whatever, 30 points. It's Yeah, but space doesn't get a vote. People do. It's (laughs) the only elections that can't be gerrymandered are statewide elections. So to me, that's the only time that you can really get a gauge on how people feel because congressional districts can be gerrymandered to hell and back, which they are in Georgia and Florida and a lot of other places, but statewide elections, it's just populous. And so Mm -hmm. if you look at those populations, that to me is a bigger indicator of where the population base is going than how many congressional districts are blue versus red, which entirely depends on who's drawing the maps. Maybe swing state is better phrase for it, but nobody considers Pennsylvania a red state, but they've had Republican senators and governors. And, but I would, if somebody tried to tell me that Pennsylvania was a red state, I would laugh in their face. I'd be like, that's so fucking stupid. But right. speaking right, of which, uh, uh, trash though. Speaking at a uh, shout out to John Fetterman, Senator from Pennsylvania. He recently had been checked in for treatment for clinical depression and Walter Reed. So we are wishing him happiness and wellness and stability. And I think it was a really brave and bold move for him to, to publicly acknowledge that. And it's something that I think we should see more of. Yeah. And I think you could really tell the GOP players who are just vicious mean assholes versus the ones who are still human beings like my good buddy that we've mentioned on just about every single one of these shows tim birch who is the ufo UFO from tennessee he had one of the most graceful and empathetic like things to say about fetterman when he checked in and said much along the lines what you did is it was very brave and he and his family and everyone around them was wishing him well and that dc can be a vicious place and destroy people and he hoped him wish him the best and i remember thinking god tim birch i actually I may have commented i was like you just keep surprising me tim I don't know what's going on with you, but you're a special one. There's something with you. You're going to be my buddy. You're going to be one of these weird GOP people that hangs out with me all the time. But yeah, you had people like that, like Tim Burchett. And then, of course, you had your Charlie Kirks and your other mouthpiece who were saying that he should have disclosed this when he was running for office. If he had mental issues, he's not fit or all this other conspiracy stuff. And clinical depression after stroke is actually not as uncommon as people might think or maybe just haven't thought about it but uh, it does not mean by any means that he's unfit a lot of people struggle with clinical depression and never get help and are in elected office as long as well as many other types of issues he's getting treatment and all this wild speculation about his health is just that and it's unhealthy and it needs to stop but at least they're still Good guys like Tim out there showing that you can disagree with people in policy and threaten Matt Gates to the point he pees his pants, but also stand by John Fetterman's decision to get help and wish him well. Yeah. And not at all in like a backhanded kind of, oh yeah, we sure do hope he does well. Yeah. Ah. But no, this was, this seemed, was genuine. 
but I'm terrible at winking. It's like an ongoing thing. So if you didn't see it, it was just a pretty now. awkward wink for Becca. <laughs> yeah. So let's turn that back around to MTG just one moment too, because of course that tweet set everybody on fire right before Biden, it was announced that Biden was in Ukraine, which I know we're going to talk about in a moment here as well. But the other fun fact about the, just the bubble that Marjorie Taylor Greene lives in that the before she was actually elected, right? She was trying to primary another Republican in the state of Georgia. I'm not sure. This is like backstory that everybody, nobody really talks about that much, but I had political ca campaign consultants that were working in her space. Okay. So apparently in Georgia in the other Republicans did not like her so much to the point that they basically said, look, go run for this seat out in the middle of nowhere, or we are going to destroy you. <laughs> So she had to like get up and out and away, but she's isolated from even other Republicans in Georgia and they don't like her either, but she's made enough of a name for herself and she's buddies with Donald Trump. As we saw when she pulled up him on the phone in the McCarthy debate on the floor. For and then the guy was like, get that shit away from me. I don't care. <laughs> the guy yeah, literally so could see him like pat stop, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, she's a special character, but just add this to the list of completely unhinged things that she said because it it makes her the unhinged gravity center of the Republican Party. Yeah, she's a bitch. Sorry, <laughs> I want to cut that one out. <laughs> no, we're gonna keep that. Yeah. And I'm gonna make it I don't like that a, word. A, she's an asshole. How about that? She's an asshole. <laughs> So we're going to move on next. So kind of we really dug into what's going on in East Palestine last week. But something I didn't anticipate is that the Republicans would all start to pretend like they gave a shit about air quality and water quality, because these are the people that deregulated the very industry that caused the accident and have consistently beaten this drum of environmental regulations are killing jobs and they're causing all this economic chaos, which is false and trying to roll back those regulations. And then all of a sudden go out to a pond in some nondescript area, throw a rock in, and then they see a bit of biological film like come up to the surface that they think is oil, even though oil was not part of the spill, which we know because we have the list. And we went over it last week and it just so happens to still be right in the same spot where I left it. And it's gotten really ridiculous. JD Vance posted this video of him sticking a stick in there. And then a thin thing of biofilm comes up, which you could break apart with the stick if you tried, which is not what oil does, but that's getting into microbiology, but a lot of fake videos coming out of that. And it's just ridiculous. So We've already covered what was true at this point. Finally, 10 or 11 days later, Pete Buttigieg made a comment publicly a little late, but yeah, so the Republicans pretending to give a shit about the natural environment is just rich and it's also bullshit. So there's that. We could talk about Biden going over to Ukraine, but I haven't seen a whole lot of misinformation about that specifically yet, other than Russia didn't like it and immediately afterwards issued a statement saying that they were going to no longer participate in the nuclear arms treaty between us and them, which was the last one that we the were still treating. Yep. So that was fun. That's a yeah, cool. I'm really looking forward to another cold war and additional yeah. nuclear proliferation. Yay. Joy. Awesome. That's great. But it was president's day. And I guess these people thought that the current president should be groveling at the feet of previous presidents. I don't know what the fuck they thought, 
But instead, our presidents went to visit with another president in a war zone. Like, it was pretty dramatic. And I'm not sure if it was staged. I wouldn't be surprised if it was staged. But, like, the air horns were going off in the background when they came in, indicating that there was going to be action, but there wasn't. Even if it was staged, it was a brilliant staging because there's this shot of Biden coming out with the president of Ukraine, Zelensky. And, like, the air horns are going out and they're meeting all these people that are this kind of unexpected force that came out of Ukraine when everybody just expected them to be crushed and they didn't. They just regular citizens picked up guns and went and started fighting Russians. And so it was great imagery, but of course it pissed off a lot of conservatives because they hate Ukraine and they love Russia, who now wants mm -hmm. to exit the nuclear arms treaty. And I'm waiting to see how they uh, Russia's exit from that as a positive for the United States, since they're, according to DeSantis, Russia's our ally and Ukraine is not is essentially what he that said. That was star too, that he had a tweet that went viral yesterday saying that as well, that yeah, Ukraine is not our friend and Russia's not our enemy. Yes. And so that seems to be a coordinated push right now by the GOP to try to rewrite pretty much all of the 21st and 20th century history with Russia and the current predicament as Russia's victims of Ukraine's imperialism, which is super bizarre. I've also heard DeSantis and others say that like Russia's not invading other countries and like, this is Ukraine shouldn't have gone into them. And I was like, I think Poland and all these other countries were worried about that. Crimea, they didn't, yeah, I think they might want to revisit like 20, what was that? 11 or 12 when that first started really bubbling up to the surface. So a lot of false information about the Russian-Ukrainian incident, which is not surprising considering how well Russia has infiltrated American political discourse, which is things, a subject that we've talked a lot about over several episodes. So that was interesting. And it follows up on a report that I read a few days ago about how China's disinformation is the most successful disinformation that Americans can consume. So they did controlled studies with American and Chinese disinformation and propaganda. I think they referred to it as propaganda in the research article, but it was false. They also tested Russian and some other things. And China's apparently has the best propaganda in getting Americans to sympathize with them. But Russia's a close second. And apparently America sucks at its own propaganda. And mostly because we're so vulnerable to other countries like Russia and China. Which is all sorts of well, divided. We're divided here in terms yeah. of our own politics, which is actually the point of a lot of that disinformation and propaganda that's coming out of China and Russia. And really, if you aren't aware that China and Russia have been putting state sponsored dollars into misinformation, disinformation campaigns for decades now at this point you've completely missed the boat. It, yeah. We talked about it before that it was proven that they had, that Russia had influenced the 2016 election by these propaganda efforts online. This is not some liberal wet dream. This is like, this legitimately happened. Yep. And the Russia, Chinese, we talk about the spy balloons and all that jazz, but China's been doing espionage and stuff for a long oh, time. Oh, there was a Chinese spy who was on staff of Twitter. And, right. You know, they it, love and, that, actually. Yeah. And of course, now you have Elon Musk and Matt Tight Talibi, whatever his name is, which we covered a few episodes back, who mm -hmm. are spreading this propaganda, propaganda from Russia specifically even further with their fake Twitter files, which is selectively releasing very small amounts of email communications between people that's probably taken out of context. 
And if they weren't cowards, they would release all of it. But that's not how it works. So let's get into Georgia. Georgia. So the big news the last few days has been that the special grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia, released this whopping nine-page report. And really, it's not nine pages because half the pages are the exhibit titles. Half of it just is about procedure and how many witnesses were there and acknowledging the hardworking attorneys. And that's like a whole page and then some random blank page in here and then a page with signatures that aren't there. And really it comes down to one page if you removed the double space text. And this is the report. So if you're a little overwhelmed and want to know what's actually in it, this is it. That's the whole of it. That's all you have to read. And really only two paragraphs are really important. The court says that they provided recommendations on indictments. Now, those indictments are still under seal. Likely, they'll remain under seal until if and when there's an arrest related associated with it. One of the things that they pointed out was that they believed that specifically they had many among the 75 witnesses who perjured themselves. Now, we do know that Donald Trump did not testify in front of the Fulton County Grand Jury, so he's not one of the people on the hook for that, but they don't specify that the affidavits for indictment are just for perjury. They made an extra special point to say, we believe we had witnesses perjuring themselves under oath. But those indictments are still sealed. So you read that part, and you're like, oh, shit, maybe in this other eight pages, the names of the people there, it's not in there. It's still under seal. Sorry to disappoint you. Any speculation at this point about who they are indicting is, again, just that speculation because that information is not public yet. And whenever it does come out, they'll have the number of votes for yay, nay, or abstain per indictment. What is really important is just these four lines. So the grand jury was assigned one task, one very specific task, and it was the facts and circumstances relating directly or indirectly to possible attempts to disrupt the lawful administration of the 2020 presidential elections in the state of Georgia. That was their job. Because they had to consider if it was unlawful, they also had to consider whether or not those trying to disrupt it had lawful reason to. So it's not unlawful to demand investigations or review if there's reasonable cause to suspect that something nefarious happened with those elections, which put the issue of voter fraud in the state of Georgia squarely within this grand jury's view. And this is what they had to say about this. This is the final statement. This is the whole conclusion. <clears throat> the grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subject of alleged election fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming that such fraud took place. Sorry, this is how they read things back on the radio news way back in the day, like War of the World style, that's what I'm doing. We find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. So I'll read it in non-obnoxious circa 1940s newscaster voice. We find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place 
in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. So now these are, it's a panel of 26 people that were pulled in from the general public to be on this grand jury. They heard from 75 witnesses. They heard expert testimony. They clearly invited Trump's people because they made it a point of saying from persons still claiming that such fraud exists. So he was not represented there. And uh, all video evidence, data analysis, all that stuff. And after reviewing every single thing that there is to be seen, said, no, it didn't happen. And there were attempts to disrupt the presidential election in 2020 that were not just unnecessary, but unlawful. So that's really the only part that you got to read. So we have Cindy and I and a few other Florida muskrats have started a pack to try to combat some of the people who voted against certifying the 2020 election. There were some that refused to certify certain states like Arizona or Pennsylvania or Georgia. And there were some that just voted against certifying all of them or one, not, but not the other. It was quite crazy, but there was 147 total. Now, some of these people have already been defeated like Madison Cawthorn, who was one of those 147 and then lost during his primary race this year. Couple He's of them living died. by me now. He's yeah, here. That sucks. We're going to put him back <laughs> And partying with Christina Pusha, the uh, Russian disinformation diplomat that works for Ron DeSantis. But there's still over 100 of them left. And so what we've decided to do is to fundraise an aggressive multimedia communications and voting campaign to target the races that those 147 or fewer. We also have to keep in mind that there were several new ones that were elected as well. So it offsets to keep them from getting reelected in the house in 2024. Now, as a data scientist married to a data scientist, we're doing this in a very data driven way. We are looking for the races that are the closest that have been ignored, that there's potential viable candidates to run against that could actually win and switch seats. Those are our priorities. We've already identified, I think 12, that we're going to target, including two that are in Arizona, which will be a huge battleground state in 2024 for the presidential election, obviously, but for other reasons. And so that is called Saving America 2024. Now, if that sounds a little bit familiar, that's because Trump's motto for 2024 is Save America. But the guy forgot to go ahead and trademark and copyright all that stuff. So we went ahead and did. Not surprising considering how much turnover he has. So we have Saving America 2024. We are on Twitter with that handle. That is the name of our website. You can find us on ActBlue. We're going to be really turning that up wise so we can deploy a virtual army to fight some of these people. And a lot of on the ground work that we'll be orchestrating as well. Candidate trainings, especially when it comes to like things like dealing with the press or dealing with social media. We have some veteran campaign consultants who have run statewide campaigns and been political directors for cabinet level positions in Florida that are going to be helping as well. It's really important that we actually fight these people and not just talk about it. So we're doing the whole money where the mouth is thing that I was raised to do. And so you can contribute to that because it did not happen. There was no fraud. There was no reason to believe there was fraud. The people who attempted to disrupt the certification did so based on lies and more than likely they knew it. And so 
we're at a very pivotal point where we have members who represent this area in part calling for a national divorce, which is code for a civil war to destroy the United States constitution, to destroy our Republic and our democratic ideals, little D not big D, but it's very pivotal. And the lack of accountability thus far in addressing what happened in 2020 and through January, 2021 has a lot of people feeling very hopeless about anything ever being done to hold these people accountable. But we get the chance, especially with the house every two years, we can mm -hmm. kick every single one of those motherfuckers out every two years. And yep. not all of the races are going to be completely lopsided Republican slam dunks. Andy Biggs mm -hmm. was redistricted into a very competitive race. And he's one of the people that we'll be looking at. And he's one of the worst people of them all. It's really important to do that and to emphasize on these things. So the weirdest thing about this report, and yes, I'm one of those people who likes to print them because I like to highlight and make notations and... Yes, you can do that digitally, but I just, okay. I'm a millennial. It's like the, what do they used to call it? Gen Xers, hipsters. Hipsters are like the Gen X older millennials people who like to wear really tight pants and like smoke pipes and drink. Like funny mustaches. Yeah, the pressed coffee. Millennials like to print everything. We like, that's one of our little nerdy things. We like to print okay, everything. Okay, I'm, I'm like an elder millennial and I'm going to deny that forever. That you don't like to print things? I don't print anything. I print everything. Look, I, I've got all of these reports that we've been doing right here. I just love to print and she kill loves trees. it. Now that's going to end up on the internet somewhere. Okay, that's okay. No, everybody's got the way that they process information. And yes. some people enjoy that tactile component of it. Yes, I do. And I grew up not being able to afford two screens. So if I wanted to compare something next to something, I printed one copy and I would look next to the screen into it. But the funny thing about this is that Trump on his true social network went on, he said some very strange things. One of the tweets that he put out there was thanking the grand jury. Yeah, I know. For finding that he did nothing wrong because it doesn't, oh. yeah, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> because it doesn't specifically say anything about him. He clearly, the one in one page and plus one paragraph was too long. He couldn't make it through this. And then claiming that those who perjured themselves did it to hurt him, which proves that he was right. It's, he's a, he's old. He's just concocting stories. It's yeah, just his He really was like, oh, the special grand jury of Fulton, thank you for vindicating me. And I was like, is that how this goes now? It's like, we could just pick something up and be like, here, hang on. Okay, this is a report that says that DeSantis hired a quack who used propaganda and careless research practice to advise against vaccines, which in a roundabout way proves that I was right. But I'm going to be like, vindicated. Every time one of any article about COVID-19 in the state of Florida fucking up, I'm going to be like, vindicated. I would do that every day. It's ridiculous. But it'd be like yeah, if one came out and actually did something ridiculous, said... Florida had the most perfect COVID data reporting ever, which will never happen. And, and then I went, vindicated. That's the kind of reaction that Trump is having right now, which yes, is super bizarre. But he's either delusional or desperate or both. Who knows? But yeah, so he made it a whole thing where now he's claiming that this grand jury investigation vindicated him, which means 
millions of people online already believe that without reading just the pretty much the last two paragraphs of that section, which does the complete opposite. But the fact is until the indictment parts are unsealed or the details of the investigation are made public, that there's a vacuum. And like we've covered a million times, the same with the derailment and a bunch of other things. If there's a vacuum, people will fill it with nonsense. And that is what is happening. And so now everyone's just waiting and we're very impatient people these days. Myself included, I'm waiting on something big to come out. And by the time this airs, it better fucking be out already or I'll be pissed. But I uh, want to know everything that people know right now because we feel entitled to it. But there is a process and legal processes are slow and the yeah, report was yeah. just released. And so it's going to take time. Unfortunately, time's not what anybody wants to keep expending. It's been over two years and the only people who have gone to jail were the people who were actually like inside the building, not the people who sent them there or planned right. it or funded it. It's I was going to say, there's a couple things on that. So one small piece of good news that did come out here in Florida, proud boy, Daniel Scott, who goes by Milkshake, who I met, actually, he crossed a police line at a Christian voting event to talk to me and tell me that, oh, the Proud Boys aren't racist. We're just a drinking circle, which is now like their official line. But anyway, so this crazy guy was one of the ones that led people into the Capitol. He was beating police officers to lead the charge into the Capitol. He pled guilty on February 9th to obstructing a proceeding of Congress hmm. and for assaulting officers. So he's going to jail. And that's really good because, by the way, Milkshake was one of the ones that met with Roger Stone on January 4th in Naples. Milkshake. Milkshake's going to be sharing some of that milkshake in prison. Oh, he's going to, he better hope that all the milkshake brings the boys to the yard or hope not, rather. Anyway. Don't get prison terms. I feel like when I talk about prison, I'm talking about drugs. Like, I'm, isn't it all the same? It's, wait, are you telling me that crack cocaine is not the same thing? I thought it was the same thing. And then somebody to me was like, no, I was like, why do people say crack cocaine together? Like, it's the same thing. And I was like, well, there's like a pipe one and there's like a snorting one. And I was like, damn, y'all spent all this time being so damn invented with like cocaine. Y'all could have been working on curing cancer. What the hell? But Right. Yeah, I'm so the, the thing, so at least you're right. So the people, but it's been two years and that proceeding is just going, just happened now. But the Proud Boys, along with some of the other groups, uh, the Oath Keepers being another one, there's also a trial going on currently with Enrique Tario, who is the leader of the Proud Boys and the, the leader of the Oath Keepers who had the plan to occupy buildings around Washington, D.C., who coordinated potentially with other folks related to the Donald Trump camp and all this stuff with the uh, with the specific purpose of disrupting the election and demanding a re-election by paper ballot. That was in the 1776 plan, by the way, which they wrote out like morons and shared with everybody. But anyway, Enrique Terrio, something that came out in his trial, lots of interesting stuff has come out in that trial, including text messages between him and senior officials in the Trump administration. And... Fox News pundits as well. And within that, there was also an insider in the Metropolitan DC police, Shane Lamont, who was giving information to the Proud Boys about when they potentially were going to get arrested and other movements. So lots of stuff came out of there. But one thing I wanted to loop back on, because in the Fulton County, Georgia 
proceeding here. You said that they found that there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud in the state of Georgia. Correct. What came out, I believe it was in the Tario court case with these correspondence with Fox News, was that none of them believed in yes. the lie either. Yes. So that goes along with the Dominion voting affidavit. Mm -hmm. well, the which, Dominion one, that's right. Yes. So that's a lot. So I haven't gone through that yet. about the trials. It's hard to keep up. I so know, right? Um, but but that was coming, coming to fruition. That's true. It takes very it takes long, long time. time. But it's very dense. I haven't read it all. I was planning on covering that next week because there's so okay, much to it. And that will be a real, we can look at that more from a academic perspective of disinformation than from the current events perspective, how it works, because it does go through those channels of what the communication lines were, who was told to do what, the fact that none of them believed anything they were saying, but they realized yeah. that they had to continue a certain message in order to preserve something else that they wanted to do. And we'll be going through that, like I said, in a more mm -hmm. academic lens for next week, but it's very long and I didn't have time to go through the whole thing. Because I've been working on a, another story that if it does not come out by the time this is out, I'll be very angry. Daily Beast. <laughs> but it's been a long time coming and I'm... This is why you guys need video. <laughs> yeah. so this is a, this is, okay. So we're, we'll hold tight on both the Dominion, Fox News, lying bullshit until yeah. next week. Hopefully that other big piece of news comes out. But I do believe that there was one more story that you wanted to get to today about Chief, not a uh, Surgeon General. Ladeville. <laughs> Dr. Demon Seaman. That's the best way to remember it. Yeah, that's this. We touched on it a little bit. That yeah, but tell us a little bit more. Go into a little okay. bit more in depth because I don't think we, we, you just mentioned it here, but what's the point? Because he, I know at one point he came, he was like widely criticized because he was not somebody who's particularly well suited to be the Surgeon General of a large state during a pandemic and his he had questionable placements at places and a questionable public speaking record on several things and then i know that they he actually issued warnings against vaccination so tell yes. us what's going on here so this guy was a very fringe person who his university when he was up for this job recommended against hiring him because of these ideas he posed as one of these frontline doctors as part of that group that was treating covid patients when he's never taught never treated a covid patient in his life and so he's a fraud and of course that's the perfect type of person that ron DeSantis would want to get to do his bidding for but it also made Florida the first and only state in the country to advise against childhood vaccines. They are still the only state that's official policy is that they're not necessary or safe. And then he made even more outlandish claims and the state started advising against and warning the, of the dangers of vaccinations for males under 40. That is what drew the attention of the BMJ, which is one of the world's most premier biomedical journals, which is what it means, and a lot of other organizations too, who said that he cherry-picked, I can do it specifically, let's look here, In research integri integrity violation, which involves cherry-picking or misrepresenting data, using misleading data, issuing recommendations on single unpublished study commissioned by his own health department without named authors or peer-reviewed which he falsely claimed showed a statistically significant increase in cardiac-related deaths in this age group in the 25 following weeks 
after vaccination. So he so like my like, academic radar is like cherry picked. It was a research integrity violation. Cherry picked data, misrepresented data, used only one internal report by his own Department of Health that was not peer reviewed or published to base all of his recommendations on. So basically he had his agency write a report that supported what he wanted to do, which is exactly what I was told to do and told them to fuck off and got fired for it. But he had them actually do it and somebody in the health department did it and shame on them for doing this. But yeah, so the studies that are actually out there and his own study showed have not shown any statistically significant increase in cardiac deaths if best statistical practice had been used in the analysis of that data. So not only did they misrepresent data, cherry pick the data, they also did not use actual real statistical methods to model the data within the mm-hmm. single study that they based all of these fringe policies on. That's for in academic terms, that is as close to calling someone as a fraud as you can get. And again, this is in the BMJ, which is one of the most premier academic medical journals in the country and even in the world. They go through to all of the details as to why this report was flawed, including that the sample size was inappropriate. The whole thing was just a sham is what they're saying. And it put people's lives in danger and it was reckless and not based on science or medicine. And it is. It's disgusting, to be honest. Like I, I'm just thinking about. Yeah, I know. But it's this guy comes in and erodes the credibility at the very least of the office and but has people believing things that are just completely false and repeated. This is where so this is actually if we can reel it back into everything, this is like the root of the disinformation that we saw around the heart attack thing that like people were saying Damar Hamlin, right? What had when he had suffered that cardiac arrest, everyone was like, Oh, it's not to the chest, but of course, vaccines. They come out really hard too and say, Above all, the depot's approach to health policy decision making was fundamentally flawed, and that he does not understand or does not care for the principles of science and medical practice to be making considerations of these risks and none of the benefits of vaccinations. And so, he just either does not understand, he's either stupid or corrupt, or both. But there's no defensible position within this. He refused to comment on his own agency's report. And that was up until he responded to criticism in a Wall Street Journal article, which loves to include these contrarian and fringe types, and as does The Atlantic. But he cited a UK study of cardiac deaths following infection and vaccination. And here's the thing about people, they're not going to go look up that article. They assume that if the Surgeon General of Florida says there was another UK study that showed increased instances of death following vaccination, they're just going to assume that it exists. And that's exactly what it says. Problem is, that's not it. And that's not what it says. In fact, that research article concluded that there was, in quote, no evidence of an association between COVID-19 vaccination and an increased risk of death or injury in young people. So he cited an article that clearly contradicts his own position because he was citing an article and people would assume that he knew what he was talking about and nobody was going to go look it up for themselves. That's why I always carry these things around with me. I was like, you can read it. This thing was a page and a half at most that you would actually have to read. 
And then you would have your answer. Like the bill that we read about the Marco Rubio trying to ban TikTok, it was only like 11 pages and congressional bills are like this much of the page when it's this wide. And it's like this amount of space between each line. So it's not that much. This is not that long. All of these are citations. So that's really all you have to read. And it's very clear and it's not in an academic sense. It's, we have to, because we don't have good stewards in journalism who are protecting this kind of information or who are knowledgeable about the subjects that they're covering, at least to the point where they can on live television or during an article fact check somebody in real time, which isn't totally their fault. You can't be an expert on everything. But maybe the Wall Street Journal should have people who do know about COVID and the research on COVID-19 commenting on these things because they would have easily spotted that article you just cited, sir, says the exact opposite of what you're saying. It actually showed an increased risk with people who had infection than people who were in vac- who were vaccinated without infection. And do that, live fact-checking. But we don't have that. We have a press that's equally ambulance-chasing and cowardly. And that's one of the things we used to say we hated so much about like these presidential campaign debates, is that they would let them say whatever they want without live fact-checking. No, that's not true, which I'm sure we'll desperately need in two years or a year rather and a half, because there's going to be a lot of election lies that managed to seep through and who's told them and who didn't. And I would hope that we have journalists who take it upon themselves to become familiarized with the source material so that they can do that. But alas, we have this because we let DeSantis get away with the first thing that he did corrupt with COVID, which got me fired. Yeah. That's the, and then, and because there's this cultivated culture of lying and that it's okay. And as long as you're lying for the means of keeping Ron DeSantis in power and consolidating his power, then you're going to be rewarded. And that's what we're seeing over and over again. And even down to the local level. So my local county's Republican executive committee is making a vote to uh, against vaccinations, against COVID vaccinations. Like they're making a vote, a stand, like they're not letting people who are vaccinated in and all this other kind of crazy stuff. And that is the kind of trickle down information from this stance that Ron DeSantis is having, but they're also doing it to prove allegiance to him. Yes. And it's not just Florida. Yeah. The Montana, I believe, legislature recently introduced a bill to ban blood and organ donations from people who are vaccinated. Which those lists are long and people sometimes are still on them when they die, but they want to remove people who have been vaccinated from donating blood, tissue, plasma, and organs. I posted that on my Twitter feed, but we can add a link into it for the accompanying article with this, which I'm going to be better about doing every week. I did it last week. I did write the whole Ohio thing out. We're also on the Big Mouth Media website too. Yes. So they're on the Big Mouth Media website. And each week when we go through this, I will try to write an article that kind of covers the major topic points and references or links to some of the reports that we discuss and some of the tweets that we mention. And uh, because I think that's also important for people who want to follow up and learn a little bit more or want something that they can share easily and all of that. I've been doing that kind of, but I'm really decided recently to sit down and do it. We're pulling it together. We're pulling it together. Yeah, last week's turned out pretty good. I did a bit of research for that one too, because the EPA kept telling me to go 
ask the train company what they did wrong. Talk to the like, company. I know. They're going to tell you I'm all like, the bad stuff. I know. I'm like, you mean the one that's refusing to publicly comment on anything? <sighs> okay. Since then, we did successfully get enough noise going about that incident that it went completely ignored for a week. Like it was very hard if you were outside mm -hmm. of the environmental scene to get right. any of that to pop up in your newsfeed on any of the social media sites. But we made such a loud ruckus about it that everybody started paying attention. That's good. That's one of the only real purposes of having a platform the size that I do. And I think I'm nearing like 400,000 followers, which is like yeah. 50,000 new ones since I got back on Twitter in December. So it's crazy, but that's what we try to do. That's so I heard the only a, a, reason why this platform may, means anything to me because I can start getting people to pay attention to things that normally would slip under the rug. Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. What Here's what's crazy is I actually heard a clip from a local newscaster there in Ohio, and they were recommending their local public health agency was recommending that people get a physical, a checkup right then and there so that they had documentation that they were healthy because they anticipate long-term health effects. How, well, how sad is that? I don't know. It feels like they'd be advising against that because they don't want to to them to be able to prove their case. But that's the point. It's like, so they came on the news and it was somebody else saying, hey, go get the documentation that you're healthy right now because, you know, you're probably going to have cancer. Yeah, and know, if you right? want to sue the company and say that as part of it, you need documentation that you're actually healthy right now. Stuff that fuck, and that's a fucked up dystopian thing that we have to deal with when we've allowed companies to take over oversight and yes. hazmat cleanup and responsibility for what should otherwise we be we should be protected from that that's what we expect out of our government yeah we'll get into how disinformation impacts natural disaster response when we do our very special chernobyl special in april on the anniversary of the explosion every year i binge watch the hbo miniseries i think it was six parts if you have not seen it Join us in watching it. It is one of the best pieces yeah, that HBO moving. has ever done from start to finish. It's only six episodes. It's a lot easier to make six amazing episodes than like six amazing seasons. But it's incredible if you really want to know how the Russian disinformation machine worked, or I'm sorry, if the USSR's disinformation machine worked back in the 1980s and the potential consequences that the entire world was facing, but had no idea about. We're talking about uninhabitable planet bad, then it is a truly amazing special. But I will focus on disasters and disinformation and disaster context more on that. And that'll be more of that kind of academic view as well, because it's part of what my academic background is in. But yeah, so there- Looking forward to that. Because yeah. and just to tease that a little bit, the one when I had watched that too, the parallels that I see with local government, state government officials here in Florida as they lie and pretend like everything is a-okay. And I know it's, hap it's happening in Ohio. It's happening in other places too. But that, that priority of saving face, right, over being truthful and helping people is what we're facing right now. And you're going to see that come through yes. with how Chernobyl played out. And one of the, to me, the most stark contrasts is that today we have so many people in the GOP who lie and seem to enjoy it or think it's harmless. But at least in the way that it's portrayed, when Chernobyl was happening, it seemed to 
he lies to yeah to protect the reputation of the UR. But many of them were told out of fear or necessity for survival. Like the whistleblower, one of the greatest whistleblowers who's ever walked the earth, Legasov, Dr. Legasov, the nuclear physicist who was called in to handle the emergency response, lied. He testified to lies under oath because he was afraid they would kill him yeah. if he didn't. Yeah. And the people that he cared about. And that's a very different kind of thing than what we see now which are a bunch of cowards who are lying for gain, not just to save right. lives for gain, for self-gain and promotion. Yep. Because it was mu definitely much scarier to tell the truth back in Russia during the post-Chernobyl time if you were a doctor or a scientist. Some of them were jailed. And eventually, sure. I'll go ahead and spoil it because I think the show does start this way. Anyways, Legasov does kill himself, I think, two years after the accident to the minute. Because he was going to die anyways, because he got cancer from being exposed to all that. But the last thing that he did was record all of the truth onto these tapes that he left for journalists who eventually got the story out. But when he died, he was disgraced. The KGB was following him everywhere. He wasn't going to live much longer anyways, but it took knowing that he was going to die to get him to do the truth. Wow. But Legasov is his own complicated character who may or may not have been an anti-Semite. And of course they dug up all this dirt on him to destroy him back when he came clean to the nuclear review board in Chernobyl for the final hearings and tried to destroy his life and his image and his reputation. And like everyone else, he's no angel. So that's not hard to do when you've lived your life. And, but at the same time, he was the man who stood between Russian lies and the end of habitable planet. And imp as imperfect as he was, that was him. And uh, sometimes these people, they never get their truth into history. And this one did. So it's called Chernobyl, spelled with a C-H-E-R-N-O-B-E-Y-L. And it's on HBO. Six episodes. If you get that free two weeks or whatever they give you, <laughs> you can cancel, watch it all and then cancel it before you actually get charged. Not that I'm advising that HBO, please don't raid my house or cancel. I'm just going to ask him to sponsor us, but anyway. Or cancel any pending possible narrative film I'm sure contract. you're going to love it and then yeah, okay. keep let's, it. Let's, let's just forget I said that. Just go to HBO and watch it. You won't regret it. It's a very harrowing story and it should be. It should have been told the way that it was told. And um, you'll also fall in love with Stellan Skarsgård if you're not already and the actor who plays Legasov, whose name for just reason, some reason just skipped me. But equally of merit. But yeah, there are all there are severe consequences to people who stand up in the face of insurmountable lies and empower. I'm a still alive example of that. So is Dan Ellsberg and Alexander Vindman and Tyler Schultz of Theranos and Sharon Watkins of Enron and all these people I've made friends with. And without them, history of our world would be very different. And in Legasov's case, it wouldn't exist. So important stuff and sorry for the heavy-handed episode unfortunately <laughs> Greta did not pick any fights with Andrew Tate this week so we don't have anything to laugh about <laughs> uh, but that's coming apparently 
That's a whole other yeah. thing. So thank you for joining us here today for Misinformational. Be sure to check us out on BigMouthMediaFL.com. Get your subscriptions ready. That foundation membership is not going to last very long, but we do have individual subscriptions to shows like, like Misinformation and our other shows, including live shows like Juice, Fresh Talk. And we hope that you will continue to support independent media because that's what we are here. We are putting out information and stories that are not going to be told in other places. And we need your help to make that happen. So be sure to help support us and check us out and be sure to follow us on all the social media as well. Yep. And final word today is Mardi Gras. So les le bon temps roule and merci beaucoup. Bye y'all. I was going to say, I'm from Detroit. We do Punchki Day because I'm Polish. So I'm going to, I'm missing my punchkies, but happy beginning of Lent and the Fat Tuesday to everybody else, everywhere else. Have a great Bye, day. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining Misinformational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.